Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Song Capture Podcast. I'm Chris Clayton. I'm your host. I'm so glad you're with us. And if you're new to the show, a special hello to you as well. I know we've had many people who have recently found us. And I just want to say a special welcome to you guys who have found us recently. It's a bittersweet day here on the podcast as it is the end of season two. We've had an amazing season. We'll talk about more of that at the end of the episode. But as anything that comes to an end, new things begin out of it. So season three will be coming in late January. Again, we'll be talking more about that as well. But we've had some amazing guests, including today's guest that I cannot wait to get into. On today's show, we have a, a new friend of mine, someone who I've recently met and uh, enjoyed talking to on this episode for sure. That is Mac Brock. Mac is an amazing songwriter and a worship leader who spent a decade with Elevation Church in the North Carolina area and has now gone solo, if you will, and is out leading worship and writing songs for his own solo project underneath the name Mac Brock. And on this show, we talk about many things. We talk about fostering. Uh, they are a fostering family. We also put to death some of the myths of songwriting, which I really love that we talked about. We talk about his philosophy on introducing songs that you've written to the church. And we talk about a really cool thing called creativity versus accessibility in songwriting for the church. And I can't wait for you to hear more about that. If you will take a minute, as always, jump over to mysongcapture.com. Check out the demo production service packages that we offer. If you're a worship songwriter, a worship leader that needs a demo for a song you've written, check us out, mysongcapture.com. Also, would you please go over to iTunes and rate and review this and take a minute and maybe text, email, or send a message to a friend who could really benefit from hearing this podcast. We enjoy expanding the audience, and that really comes from you joining in, helping us do that. All right, let's get to it. Here's my conversation with Mac Brock. Hey, Mac, thanks for being on the show today, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. It's good to yeah, be here. Glad to have you, man. So uh, you're in Charlotte area. How are things with family in Charlotte and with all this crazy stuff going on? How's it been? We are hanging in there. We're doing well, man. You know, I mean, I think like everybody... For the first few months, it was kind of like, what is happening? Yeah. <laughs> How am I going to survive being cooped up in my house with <laughs> everybody? Yeah. But uh, but honestly, it's been like such a good, it's been a good, sweet season in, in terms of, you know, I travel a lot yeah. and, you know, my wife has a crazy schedule. So even just like the forced slowdown yep. has been really, you know, nice for us in a lot of ways. For so sure. it's been good. Well, good. Well, man, tell me about your family. I'd love to know a little more about your wife and kids and all that. Yeah. Um, my wife, Meredith, uh, we've been married going on 15 years. Yeah. Awesome. And then we have, uh, my son is, uh, his name's Harvey. He's nine. And we have a daughter who is a firecracker. Her name is Cyrus. <laughs> she is five. And then right now we've got living with us, um, a little eight month old little guy. Awesome. He's our foster son. That's amazing. Yeah, so it's been good. It's been a fun, fun journey for us. That's cool. I've had a lot of friends that have done the fostering. In fact, we adopted a little girl uh, two oh, years wow. ago from here in, in Nashville. And so we uh, we definitely, Clayton's have a huge heart for adoption and foster families. And so, man, right on. Oh, that's love, amazing. Love yeah. So, very cool. Well, what kind of led you into that, the whole idea of fostering? Um, it's something that was on our heart for a while. It's It started kind of like a seed in, in my wife's heart. I was very much like, uh, sounds a little too chaotic for me <laughs> uh, at first. Um, but you know, the more I even like learned about it or just even like press into prayer and fasting about it, just kind of was led to the same spot. Yeah. And so back 
about a year ago is when we started the process of getting licensed yeah. and, um, kind of got licensed like right when COVID hit. Mm, so we yeah. were licensed at the beginning of April and then the, you know, everything shut down. Yeah. And so we've had this little guy has been, he's our first placement and we've had him since, uh, July. Okay. So it's been, uh, it's been awesome so far. It's been a real gift for yeah. our family and yeah, we've loved it. Man, that's so cool. I mean, uh, my wife has just launched a ministry called God Made Family, which I'm super excited. And, and really the whole premise of it is God makes families in all different ways, you know? So you've okay. got those that are that are kind of the nuclear family, like the, you know, the average American family, you know, wife and kids and, uh, you know, two kids and a husband and wife. And right. then you've got those that are blended and you've got those that are adopted. And then you've got those who just, maybe it's for a season, take care of a kid and love on a kid so they can be just in a, in a safe place for a moment with fostering and sometimes that leads yeah. to a new home and that's just a beautiful thing all that to say god god is who makes our families god who, who orchestrates all right that. he's got a huge heart that's for, so cool yeah so um man i what's, love that what's the name of it again the name god, of the ministry again? god made family yeah Okay, cool. Yeah, so it's kind of a- check it's that of, out. Yeah, so she literally, it's brand new. And like I said, we adopted two years ago, Cambry, and uh, God has just done some really cool things in Kara's life, just kind of um, make, allowing, making making her be bold in some ways, if you will, of yeah. stepping out. She's usually the reserved one behind the scenes and, and she's feeling God kind of pushing that on her heart to to launch this. So anyway- Oh, that's amazing. Hugely re- res- resonate with all that. So, well, man, tell me your story about just getting into worship leading. I know you, like, uh, you spent some- uh, a good bit of time, I think a decade over at Elevation and then yep. uh, now, you know, doing things solo and all kind of on your own and you've been doing that for a while, but just kind of give me the 30,000 foot view of Mac Brock's journey of <laughs> worship leading, but then well, specifically- the, the, the one minute version yeah. is, um, you know, I grew up in the church. My dad's a pastor, yep. grew up in South Carolina. And so I grew up playing, my mom's a musician, she's mm-hmm. a drummer. So I grew up around music and playing in the youth bands, youth group, all that stuff. And, uh, eventually that led to leading worship and, you know, kind of stepping into that role when I was in college, Yeah, got connected with certain ministries. And, and eventually it was about a year after I, you, me and my wife got married, we moved up to Charlotte to be a part of Elevation yeah. early on. We were there for 10 years. Uh, and ultimately the Lord like called us out of that, called us into a new season of life. And so for the past you know, several years now, it's almost been like three and a half years. We've been kind of out on our own. Um, and it's been really, it's been really good. Wow. That's amazing. Uh, songwriting wise, have you always written songs? Is that kind of always been part of your story? Yeah, I grew, you know, I grew up playing in bands and stuff. And so it was always writing music, but it wasn't until, um, it wasn't really until I came on staff at Elevation that one, I started like co-writing with people mm-hmm. and collaborating in the songwriting process and started writing like for the church yeah, and for, you know, worship songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was kind of a first for me. Yeah. So maybe talk about, everybody has to start somewhere. I'm, I'm assuming Mac Brock's written a lot of bad songs to get to where he is today. So oh, like, so many bad right. songs. So I, I wrote I, a lot of bad songs last week. <laughs> So I think that's kind of the misnomer of like song, like people who don't do this on a quote unquote professional level. They think that we just, you know, perf- like sign songwriters just kind of ooze out like gold every time they sit down. So maybe, maybe put that myth to rest a little bit about just process of songwriting. How do you, how you have to write a lot to even get to where you at, you know, where you, songs that you're that's proud one of. of the, you know, I talk about songwriting a lot and 
I always have one of those frustrating answers for people when they're like, how, you know, how do you get into songwriting? How do you like, what's like the secret and what's the yeah. formula? And the annoying answer is that you just have to write songs. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it, it <totally laughs> that's, is. That, that's what it is, is you yeah. just have to write songs. And it, it, it really is like, um, there's no shortcut to that. There's no shortcut. Just like I, I view it as a little bit like a relationship, you know, you have relationships with people. There, there's no like shortcut to building like a deep relationship with somebody. There's definitely people that you can connect with quickly. And sometimes that happens, but it's the longevity and the, and the length of a kind of a relationship that you can't skip that process, you know, that time process. And it's a lot with songwriting is you can't skip the process of just having to write a lot of songs. And, you know, so that's been a, it's been a habit that I've had in my life for the last, you know, 15, uh, I mean, longer than that, but 15 years or so of constantly writing, you know? Yeah. And I go through fluctuations of seasons. So like right now I just finished a record and about to release a new record. And so I'm in a slower season of songwriting, but what that looks like for me is like, maybe I'm writing twice a week instead of every day. But it's always, you know, it's always part of the process. And with all the songs that I write, you know, 90% of them, you're not going to hear. Yeah. Or, right. or they, they might be a collection of songs that eventually will lead to like another song right. or eventually will lead, you know, so much of it is like gathering, gathering words and melodies. And then sometimes you take, you have a, like a Frankenstein song that you take oh, well, I had this chorus from here and then I had this bridge from here. And You know, what if we brought them together? And that happens a lot too. Yeah, maybe expand on that a little bit because I think I always call them the retreads, like kind of like, you know, just pulling different pieces of something you've started. And yeah. or maybe like, maybe for you, like, can you recall a time where a song has just sat on your Google Docs or something like for a year, over a year and you've realized, oh yeah, I've got that over there. Has that ever happened in your process? Yeah, I've got a song... Um, I don't know when this will release, but uh, tomorrow releasing a new song uh, on October 30th. And it's a song that started three years ago. Yeah. And I've kind of been sitting on it for a while. And, and I always loved the hook of the song and I love the theme of the song, but I never felt like we had locked in the way to say it. Um, and I never felt like, just even from a more basic level, I thought the verses were like not very good. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, I revisited that song every so often and kept trying to come back to it and would rewrite, you know, wrote it with a handful of friends and would send ideas back and forth and just could like never lock it in. Mm-hmm. And this summer I was writing with another friend who just, I have a ton of respect for and I kind of know what kind of elements he can bring. And I was just like, man, like, let's just dive into this idea that I've had. It's been like a puzzle that I can't crack or a code that I can't crack. And let's just see if we can like lock it in. And we were able to, I guess, solve the problem. Yeah. Uh, And it's one of my favorite songs on the record. Wow. That's amazing. So sometimes you just have to live with it. You know, you just have to live with it for a while. And and the rewriting process is really hard because it's easy to get those ideas stuck in your head even the bad ideas stuck in your head and you can't escape it. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes it's just bringing in a fresh perspective, getting somebody else's take on it. 
I think there's often a myth that rewriting is mean you failed at writing to start with. And I think that's such a myth because rewriting is really oh, more yeah. the, mature, the mature side of you as a songwriter going, I'm willing to go back and implode things. It is such a necessity. I mean, it's, I can't overstate that enough how like rewriting is like such a necessity to the craft of a song, you know, because yeah. there've been so, I mean, there are a lot of times that I'll write a song and I love it. And I'm like, okay, we're onto something. We got yeah. gold here. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as I play it for somebody outside of that group, or as <laughs> soon as I p- introduce it, I'm like, oh shoot, this is a problem. This yeah. is a problem, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and you start to analyze it and then you start to, sometimes you got to just scrap the thing. Right. But a lot of times it's just, especially if you have that connection to it, like you have that initial instinct of like, there's something here. A lot of times it's just, we need to tweak it or we need yeah. to, fix this chorus or fix mm-hmm. this word, you know? Yeah. I, I often tell young songwriters, um, and I've talked about this on other episodes, just the value, especially those who lead worship, who are like on staff at a church of not being afraid to, to lead a song, even when you're unsure about it, because obviously you're writing for your people. Yeah. Um, how many, how many times have you led a song and realized this isn't working? You've gone back and changed lyrics. Well, I have two thoughts of that. Yeah. So I have like two, um, two things that stick with me that are almost uh, contradictory, mm-hmm. but kind of live with me for a minute. Yeah. Uh, and so the first thing is, is I do think I love, intro- like if you're a worship leader at a church, introducing songs that you're writing out of your house is such an important thing. I, I just feel like the Lord like uses that in a really special way. Um, and you learn a lot from a song mm-hmm. when you introduce it. Like I just said, like the yeah. moment you play it in front of somebody, you're going to learn a lot about it. Yeah. But I'm a big believer that you got to do a lot of work on the front end before you introduce the song. And, and I just had a strong conviction because I used to do that a lot where I'd be like, well, let's just try it. Let's just see how yeah. it feels. And if it sucks, it sucks. And we'll yeah. rewrite it. Yeah. What, what I was convicted about, though, in that moment is that for our church and for the people that are coming to your church, a lot of times this is their only opportunity that they're going to have that week to worship. Yeah. And I don't want to let that one moment for them be like a guinea pig moment. Yeah. And experience, you know, I don't want to waste their, their time, you know, by trying something that I haven't done the work on the front end. That's so good. I had to get in the habit of saying, all right, I've got this song. I don't know if it's going to work in church, but instead of just trying it out for the first time in church, I'm going to send it to somebody. Yeah. Play it for the, the staff or I'm going to play it for the volunteers, whatever it might be, like find avenues to introduce a song or to get it in front of people just so you can at least do some of the work on the front end to make sure that it's, I don't know, like worthy of the stage time of no, you know, yeah. Sunday morning. And then, then when you kind of do it in a service, you're going to learn a lot. I mean, there've been so many songs, just even from Elevation Days, one song that I talk about a lot is Resurrecting. Yeah. But that was a song that we kept trying to solve it. Like, that's another one. Yeah, it was just like a problem that we couldn't solve. And, hmm. and we would even do it in church or, or do it, I, I, maybe with some volunteer stuff or whatever. And it had moments of power and then just moments where we could tell like, this is like sucking, you know, this is like not <laughs> yeah, happening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it almost got to the point of like, it was like a maybe two weeks before we were recording the record. 
And it's kind of like, well, we don't even really need another kind of anthemic ballad, hymn type song mm-hmm. like this. So we could just scrap it because we can't seem to solve it. Right. And for whatever reason, we just kept digging and kept tweaking and kept trying to like figure it out. And it was, you know, just a lot of that, a lot of like trying it out, analyzing what's working, what's not working that eventually led to the breakthrough of getting the song to where it is now. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, kind of maybe back up a little bit and talk about your process in songwriting. I think every, every, everybody that I've ever talked with has kind of got their, their process of songwriting in terms of, you know, maybe what is your strength as a songwriter, but then like, you know, what, what gets a song going in Mac's head to get it to a co-writing room to get it on a record? Yeah. It's, it's so, man, these questions are so funny to me because songwriting is such a mystery to oh, me. For sure. So, yeah. you know, I am so not locked into like, this is how I tap into inspiration and this is how I do it. Like, right. it's such a mystery to me. So I'll say a couple of things. Sure. One is I am very, I'm just diligent about doing it. Mm-hmm. And so I just songwrite a lot and I, and I'm committed to songwrite when I'm not inspired. I'm committed to songwrite on the days that I don't want to songwrite. Yeah. And I just am kind of committed to the act of doing it, which I think is helpful. Um, but I think for me, like probably some of the biggest like launching pads, when you talk about like, how do you get that inspiration flowing is I, you know, I love to read through, you know, whether it's like just straight scripture from the Bible, or, or a lot of times it's just like, even like a devotion or, you know, going through uh, just a book that I might be reading or something like that and, and taking a lot of notes. And if something hits me, if something hits me that I'm reading, like doing a devotion mm-hmm. that touches my spirit just for my life, I'm going to make note of that of like, why did it do that? And and what's a takeaway that might be transferable into a song? Yeah, You know, if this is obviously like impacting me right now, so how can, how can uh, I take that same idea and use it, you know, as like a broad spectrum. Right. And so I do a lot of that. Um, I think probably my biggest strength, just as a songwriter, you know, in a room is I'm a worship songwriter. You mm-hmm. know, I write worship songs yeah. <laughs> and that that's like what, you know, that's what I feel like called to do. And that's, that's what my passion is. And so I, I really love the idea of like writing and, and locking into like, what is the song that like we all want to sing together and how can we tap into the words that we want to say together and the melodies that like are going to work in a room full of people, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's always on my mind when I'm, when I'm songwriting for that, you know, for that genre, I guess, or or that in game. Well, I I mean, that's probably what every, every worship songwriter should be thinking about is what, how, what do my people need to say? The people that I'm leading every week, especially if you're a, a worship leader, writing for your people right? is, you know, you and your pastor or or your team, y'all are going to know, like, this is what we're going through as a church. This is the, what the Lord is doing in our church. This is what we're learning in our church. So how can we respond to that? And that's, that's what's so powerful about writing from your house, you know, writing for your house is you're going to give a language that no one else really can from the outside. There are definitely songs that, 
obviously there are so many songs that are transferable just across the globe and across like the global church. Right. But there's also going to be songs that rise up in, in your house that have to be written from your perspective. Yeah, uh, that's, that's what I was going to say is like, we are blessed as the church to have a massive catalog of songs to pull from, an ever-growing catalog. I mean, the, the amount yes. of music that's coming out every Friday just about yeah, around the world from, from the worship side of things is amazing. But just because someone wrote a song about, about faithfulness doesn't mean it's going to resonate about how God has been faithful in your house. And so that's, yes. the, that's the important of of putting language, you know, your language around the idea of God's faithfulness or God's love, however you want to frame it up, whatever theme it is, because you're going to see it through the lens of your people. And just yeah. because another church or another movement wrote it doesn't mean it's wrong, but it, it may not resonate as much as it is because it was birthed out of a situation or a story or a, a message or a sermon or whatever. So, um, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And I'm, a, I mean, I, I say that I'm a massive just worship music fan. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I love, absolutely. you know, I love, I love introducing new songs and I love, like you said, like I love the, I mean, just the influx of songs that are coming through that are, that are giving words to just like what God is doing. Sure. I do think just cause I've seen it firsthand that there is something special when you write, when you're writing for your house and your people connect to those songs in a really unique way too. Like you might write a song and it might not be as good as, what a beautiful name, you know, right. it might not be, uh, this is amazing grace, Yeah, but I have seen it where if you do the work or, or you still like craft the song that your church will gravitate to those songs in a really special, unique way, you yeah. know, mm -hmm. and there's still going to be like a lot of power just because it's rooted in kind of home soil, you know? Yep. Yep. Yeah. I I want, I've been wanting to ask you this question uh, about just when in writing songs for the church, I think there's always this kind of, there's this fine line in finding the balance between creativity and accessibility. Um, yeah. You know what I mean by accessibility, like, you know, making sure songs are singable because I always tell people worships, the worship genre can be one of the hardest genres to write because you've got such a wide audience that you're writing for, you know, right. from, from the eight-year-old to the 80-year-old. Um, and, you know, so... How do, how do you, how does, how, how do writers and specifically you, I guess, balance that creativity? Because I think about a lot of things you've done and you've produced and that you've been a part of writing. There's a lot of creative elements to the songs, but how do you still balance being accessible uh, by the average church? Yeah, I think that that's like evolved for me or changed just in the way that I view it over the years. Um, I used to view creativity has like, I just want something so fresh that I've never heard before. Mm -hmm. um, and I just want it to be different for different sake. Yeah. You know, I've had, I've had those seasons and especially like growing up when you're a young musician, you know, you, yep. you want to do something new and you want to like, be like, my ideas are going to be the best, you know, like yeah. whatever it might be. And I've just really changed over the years of like, I still, you know, I still want to be pushing. I still want to be growing as a musician, growing as a producer. I still want to be digging deep and searching for like new sounds or new ways to say something or new ways to sing something, but it's, it's not rooted in different for different sake, mm -hmm. you know, or it's not rooted in like, I just, I want to strive to be creative and do something new because I want to hear something new. It's more so of like, I want to, 
to express something creative that the Lord is doing and express something that like, I want to work hard and dig deep to find what's going to make this song soar. And I, I really have like a, I'm a person that gets chill bumps when I listen to music. Yep. I hear just even, you know, I can hear just like two notes together and it'll give me chills. Yeah. And so honestly, for me, there's a lot of times that I'll be listening to songs that I'm writing or working on or producing that that's like a good litmus test for me. It's like, if this is going to connect is if like I get that feeling or I get those chills or I Mm -hmm. just have that kind of emotional response to it. Yeah. And that's kind of what I look for more than, oh, I've never heard that before. Mm. You know, like I look for like, what's the emotional connection yeah. to me? Yeah. I think people in worship music feel there's a negative, again, one of those myths, I guess, that that worship music can't be emotional. But I feel like God created music to be right. emotional. I mean, it's like there's an emotional part of music, or no matter the the genre, that that kind of gives you those chill bumps like you're talking about, and so that's not a bad right. thing to feel that to feel an emotion because music has grabbed your your soul. You know, yeah. The great thing about the church music for the church is that we have very we have we have lyrics like saturated in truth that go along with that emotion, right? And so that's that's the difference of it. So I don't I want people to understand as songwriters, don't be afraid to for lack of a better word, play on the emotion card because that's, that music is very emotional to begin with. Man, press into it. I have songs that are like as far from church music as you can get Yeah, that give, that I have an emotional connection to just because of a melody yeah. or because of the way that a singer change, you know, sings a song or sings a moment like that I just have like a, you know, like a physical response to. And the fact that we can write songs like that and we're coupling it with like words of life yeah. and words that are like living is just such a gift. It is, man. That's so true. Well, one of those one of those songs, man, that you've written and been a part of that's kind of did that for me was the song Do It Again that you were a part of. And I remember the first time I heard this song. I don't know. Do you know Jess Cates, who's a writer here in Nashville? Oh, yeah. I love Jess. Okay. So Jess, uh, when at Gateway here where I lead um, in Franklin, he used to be a part of leading here. And he introduced this song for the very first time. And uh, I remember hearing it. And when we got to the bridge, I was just like, I'm undone. Like kind of one of those moments. <laughs> I think this is one of those bridges that does that. But man, I love to hear the story behind just the how that song came about and just kind of how yeah. that's impacted the church and stories you maybe even heard how it's impacted. What's so funny when you talk about like, you know, what's the story about this song? I'm sure you've gotten this a lot with other worship leaders, but you really have to have like a group Zoom chat. Yeah, probably so. Yeah. All, yeah. The, all the writers that were yeah. like involved. Yeah. You know, and, and that's just a side note. Like that's one of the biggest gifts that I love about just even songwriting for the church is it's such a collaborative experience with yeah. so many different people that I just love that kind of uh, portrait of yep. how a song is built. Mm-hmm. And so we would do it again specifically. That was such a funny song because it started off with um, Matt Redman. Maybe you've heard of him. Never heard uh, of him. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Matt, Matt is so inspiring because he, he, he's one of those guys that isn't in the songwriting space. Uh, you know, he might just be like living his life and he will immediately like catch a glimpse of like what could be a song and then yeah. he'll run it down. And so he was actually, I think in a service that, uh, 
Pastor Stephen Furtick was preaching at. Mm-hmm. And I think like the message or something like the hook of the message, he just kept saying like, your promise still stands, your promise still stands. Hmm. Matt Redman and his like superhuman songwriter brain is just like, he's already putting the pieces together of like, that's going to make a great song. That needs to be a song. And so it really started with just a text conversation between him um, and Steven. Yeah. And it, it kind of went into like, okay, your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. And that was just a chorus that we had floating around like with our team for months. Yeah. I was like, okay, I don't know where we're going to go with this, but this is just a chorus that we, you know, this is a chorus that we have. And I remember it was, uh, was writing with Chris Brown, Stephen Furtick. We were at like a writing retreat and we were in the room and just kind of living in this chorus for a yeah. long time, you know, and, and we tend to do that. I tend to do that a lot where I don't know where the breakthrough is going to happen, but yeah. if, sometimes if we just live in the space of worship and live in the space of like, okay, let's just keep at it. Something's going to break through. Right. And it felt really poignant when, when, um, the line uh, walking around these walls, I thought by now they fall. Mm-hmm. When that kind of came, like was spoken into the room, that really, I felt like flung wide, like the gates of like, all right, this is the story that we're telling, right. you know? But that flung wide, just kind of the door of, I don't, I'm in the middle of a valley or I'm in the middle of a struggle, but I know that I can trust that God is still going to show up. Yeah. I can look back at my life and I can, and believe like, if you're a believer, you always can look back at, at, at least something, mm-hmm. one, one moment, one day of where God like showed up in your life. Yeah. You know, we can, we all have at least one of those experiences. Oh, yeah. Gosh, yes. Most of the time we have several, yeah. several of those experiences. And that just kind of really led the way of like, there's something in that there's something powerful in that to say, you know, I don't know what's right in front of me. I, I'm, I, I'm in a valley. I'm, I'm walking around, you know, the walls of Jericho one time, two times, mm-hmm. three times, yep. six times, yep. you know, six times that you're walking around this thing being like, okay, maybe God didn't tell me to do this. You start second guessing. You start yeah. doubting what, what the Lord is doing. But man, if you can muster up that faith to walk around the seventh time, or if you can muster up that faith to just like believe like, okay, I don't see it right now, but I'm trusting that if he did it once before and I'm still standing right now, then he's going to do it again. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of just that idea that started, I don't know, that started being like the anthem of the song. And so we really just like pressed into that.
That's amazing. Any stories you've heard of coming back about just impacts, of sto- you know, stories from the church, just other people leading? Yeah, it? I mean, yeah, I, I feel like I hear stories about that song all the time of, yeah. of, of people, a lot of times people in ministry, because mm-hmm. ministry will beat you up, man. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, and, and, and ministry is hard and it's really easy to lose that flame and it's really easy to burn out and it's really easy to just, I don't know, just get beat up. And, and one of the things that's been so special to me, I think it's why I never get tired of leading that song. I've been leading it for years yeah. and it still carries the same power to me is because I can relate to it too of like, man, like I have seen God move in like mighty, mighty ways. And mm-hmm. when I choose to remember those times, when I choose to like look back and say, this is what he did, that's like a, I don't know. It's like a, a lighter to relight that flame of like, okay, he's going to do it again. Okay. He's going to, he's still working. He's still moving. And and you can trust that. And then you can, I don't know, get the faith to step into the next season. And then you're yeah. going to go through a season of doubt again. And then yeah. You, you got to, you know, relaunch yourself. And so, yeah, that's amazing. It's, it's it. an important one for me. No, absolutely. Well, it's been a huge, a huge song for our church. And I know, hundreds of others. So, uh, amazing. So man, tell me about, um, tell me about space. You got a new record that's, that's, that's out. And, um, and and so I love to kind of just hear the heart behind that kind of not just, not just the heart of where, what sparked it, but maybe also kind of dig into, you know, what, what brought the songs about, you know, a little bit as far as the songwriting process and picking songs. I know you co-produced this as well. And so I just kind of yep. love to know what, you know, creative, creatively wise, you know, just the whole process, I guess. Yeah. I mean, the songs come from a lot of Zoom rights yeah. during quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but honestly, like most of the songs in this record w- were written in the season that we're in now. Um, a lot of them started post world shutdown. Um, and I think like the biggest, you know, the biggest overall theme that from my heart for this album has been, uh, I just want to remind people that there's always space with Jesus and that to come to Jesus, there's always going to be room for you. There's always going to be room for whatever burden you're carrying for whatever mess you have for whatever heavy weights you've got on your shoulders, your past, whatever it might be to just remind people, like you are safe in the presence of Jesus. There's no pretense. There's nothing you have to do. Um, you just got to come. And, and there's such a relief in that, you know, I'm, I'm a person that, uh, I don't know when I think about life and the heaviness of life, one of the best things that I can do is just like, breathe in and then exhale out, you know, and, and that exhale, I think is just such a good picture of what it's like to be with Jesus. Just like, there's just like a rest and there's just like a, oh, okay, I'm safe. Like, and especially when we get to a place just in our own spirits where we can hand stuff to him and we can hand our anxieties, our stress, our, you know, our fears, all that stuff. Like there's such a safetyness in that. And so a lot of, I don't know, a lot of the things that this record are just kind of like a reminder of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're a reminder of like, uh, just who God is and, and you know, what, what he's capable of doing yeah. and what, what he is doing. And that, and one, like the fact that we get to be a part of that, that he, 
not only is he moving and is he doing great things, but he's asked us to come alongside of him and be yeah. a part of that. And so, um, I don't know. That's like the big umbrella great. Yeah. of this project. And, and it was just something, I don't know. It's been such a special project for me. It's been one of the most special ones that I've been a part of from mm-hmm. the, even recording it, you know, we couldn't do like a live worship night at, at our church. So it was just me handful of like some of my closest friends, you know, that I'm playing music with, or, or some of them are behind the camera. Some of them are just there praying. And it was just like, let's just worship and capture this. And that's kind of what, what the project turned into. Amazing. Amazing. How many, how many songs do you think you wrote for the project total, but in picking the nine? Oh dude, there's so many. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's probably up in the thirties, forties yeah. of like songs that were written. Um, yeah. Just even in like the last year, you yeah. know, kind of going into it and, and the projects only got eight songs, but there were just the eight that I felt like best captured just even what I want to say right now. And, and what I feel like, I feel like the Lord, it, what he's obviously like done in my life, but just also what I feel like he, I don't know, is just up to in general. Yeah. Would you say when you were writing for the record that you, you brought the majority of the, of the ideas into the writing room or was it kind of more of a, just kind of open when you came into the room and seeing what the Lord kind of dropped in or what? Yeah, probably both. And I mean, it's probably all three of there's, there are some ideas that it's like, bring this to the table and, and writing with other friends, you know, whatever it might look like. And and we just kind of dig in from there. Sometimes it's literally starting from scratch saying, you know, and then other times it's, it's someone else bringing an idea to the table and saying, you know, uh, there's, there's one song called still, I will praise. And I wrote it with a handful of friends, but Ben Cantillon, uh, who's a great songwriter in Nashville, Mm -hmm. great worship leader, just even him, he brought in this, the, the idea of, um, it starts off saying like, father, can you hear me? Are you even listening? Hmm. I've been waiting for an answer. And him just even speaking that resonated so much with me because I'm a dad yeah. who's had a son that said the same thing to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. are you even listening to me? Yeah. And, and it was such a conviction because I think as an earthly dad, I get so distracted and I get so caught up in my own world. And whether I'm looking at my phone or mm-hmm. it, I feel like I'm doing something that's more important. And, and to hear my own son say that like can be like heartbreaking. But then to also realize that's something that I say to our heavenly father a lot. And even when I, even when I feel like I'm alone or even when I feel like he's not answering me, I can go back to just the truth that like, he is always there, that he's not, you know, we're not alone ever. And, and so all that to say is like, that's an idea of like bringing like an idea to the table that then we launch into something else. Yep. That's awesome. So no songwriters like to ask, answer this question, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Um, (laughs) Do you have a favorite song on the new record? That's like, this is, this is resonating the most with me right now. Yeah. um, It's so funny that, I'm releasing like a handful of, you know, singles leading up to the record. Yeah. And then you, you know, when you're releasing a record, you kind of have like some focus tracks that you, you know, yeah. try to just like push out, yep. I guess, whatever. Um, and the song, this is a song that we're not releasing before. It's not even, I don't think one of the focus tracks, but it's a song called song of heaven that has been the most it's ministered to me the most out of the whole project. And I don't know, sometimes I think 
maybe the only reason the song is on the project is for me. Um, it, and that's okay. Like yeah. that's fine by me. I'll take it. Um, but that song has been really, it's just been really, really important to me right now in this season. And it's been a really, it's been a song that I've gone back to probably more than any other. And I've had just really special, intimate moments with the Lord through that song. Amazing. Amazing. Well, man, I'm so excited about your new record and thanks for your uh, obedience to just write for the church. And I know that can be a very vulnerable place to be. And even as a songwriter myself, I know that can be a very vulnerable place to uh, write songs and then lead them that have just come out of the overflow of life. <laughs> and, uh, but at the same yeah. time, it's a calling and it's, it's being obedient. And even we don't understand it. And I found, and I'm sure you found this true. Like sometimes we write songs when we don't understand why we write them until maybe a year, three years, four years, five years later. And then you realize yeah. this is why God wrote this, dropped this in my lap. And so, but thanks for being obedient to, to the call of writing that. But and it's so, and it's so fun though too, right? It you is, know, it's so absolutely. fun. Like what a gift, what a gift it is that we can write songs that can in turn, like be an offering with other people to like lift up to heaven. It's like, I don't know. It's just one of the most mind blowing things that the Lord lets us do that. I love it. It is. It's a, it's a gift for sure. But man, thanks for being on today. I really appreciate you taking time to do it. Thank you, Chris. We'll talk to you soon. All right. See ya. Very grateful for the time we got to spend with Mac on this episode. Such an amazing heart, some great insight into songwriting for the church. And I know that we're gonna be singing his songs that he's been a part of writing in the church for a very, very long time. So a huge thanks to him and his team for uh, the time spent on this episode. Be sure to go check out Mac's brand new record, Space. Some great corporate songs of worship on there. If you're a worship leader in a church looking for some great songs for next year, I encourage you to go check it out. Well, as I said earlier, this is the end of season two. And looking back at the season, it's been filled with some amazing guests who have brought a lot of great insight and wisdom to songwriting for the church. And thank you um, to those who have been with us this entire season, or maybe you just found us in the middle of the season. I encourage you to go back and listen to these amazing interviews with these amazing worship leaders and songwriters. I'm very grateful for all of them being a part of this show and being a part of this season. We'll take a little hiatus. We'll come back in late January, early February with the start of season three. Already some great guests on the docket for that season. It's going to be great. So I pray you have an amazing, great rest of the year. Keep writing songs for the church and we'll see you soon on the Song Capture Podcast.